Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. G'day everyone and welcome to another episode of On The Turnbuckle here on mypodcasthouse.com or whatever you're listening to us on. Thank you for joining us. Welshie, g'day to you. Very g'day, Tony. Proudly brought to you by manscapes.com. It is and we'll talk more about that a little bit later on. Uh, Lyle, a very g'day to you. Hey, how you going, mate? You doing well? Excellent, buddy. Excellent. How's the week been, boys? Um, I haven't gone more than five kilometres from my house, if that's what you're alluding to. No, no, well done. Good boy. Well done. Uh, yeah, I think, I think lockdown got to me over the weekend, mate. I had a bit of a, had a bit of a, uh, a lockdown bit of a meltdown. Yeah, a little bit, a little bit. It got to me, you know, feeling, uh, unmotivated and stuff like that. And, uh, but you, know, you leave the house yeah. every day. Is it true? Yeah, that's. That's that's the weird thing. Lucky I can leave the house to go to work, or else it would have got me earlier. I think. And uh, is it true yeah. that you spent an entire day in bed on the weekend? I, I did. I did. Um, yeah, which is not like me at all. Uh, just had zero motivation to do anything. Just uh, yeah, I don't know. A little bit of uh, I was a little bit down on myself. A little bit. Um, yeah, lack of motivation, and you know, you're not accomplishing anything at the end of the day because you know you can go to work, come home, and you can. Walk the dogs for an hour. So, well, what would have been? Oh, a great... I don't accomplish things at the best of times. No. <laughs> what would have been a good thing for you, I was to put on the headphones and tune into last week's episode of the podcast again because it was an absolute ripper with Em and the kid, and of course the hooligan Marcus Cool. Yeah, very very enjoyable, and you know, doing the podcast now has also uh, got me out of the uh, out of the doldrums, you could say as well, Tony. But no, it's always great to catch up with the. Uh, Mark Meridi, our old friend, Tony, and <laughs> Jeez. Um, he um, he had a few drive-bys, didn't he? <laughs> yeah, he did. <laughs> it's it like he was getting him in before he's been working up to this show coming up on the past weekend, and he thought I could clip Tony a couple of times on the way through. Let off a then little I'll bit clip of Mikey J, then I'll clip Max Damage, and then I'll clip Brooksy. <laughs> like, do we know how the uh, Do we know how the show went on the weekend? Uh, from all reports, it went really well. Excellent. Very yeah. successful. So um, still waiting for that to go online, then I'll have a look at it. But um, yeah, I really, I really like Marcus. He's a good dude. Yep. yep. And Emma and the kids, um, a lot of potential there. I think he's going to be a big star of Australian wrestling. Oh, definitely. Definitely. Mm-hmm. One to watch out in the next 18 months uh, when everything comes back to normal and he can get back out in the ring. And yeah, he's got a really cool story coming over here uh, to do some schooling and immersing yourself in the wrestling scene. It's um, yeah, really good. Well, looking forward to this story as well. This week's guest joins us now. He's a guy that's never lived 
in Melbourne before in his life. His name is Rocky Monero and he joins us on the line. I think I got that right. Yes. I was going to call you Romero, but no, that's, that's totally wrong. That's a common mistake. It's a common mistake. How are you, Rocky? Welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, boys. Yeah, it's been exciting. Excited to come on. What's uh, life like in Adelaide in lockdown? Oh, you're not mate, actually in lockdown, so you're, you're all right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, mate, we, we were um, second, I think, to like Perth um, with the state as far as coming out of, uh, out of lockdown. So, yeah, we, we've, been, we've been taking it easy. It's been pretty good. And you guys are back wrestling. Yeah, we had, we had a show over the weekend. Um, obviously, we've still got restrictions with, with numbers and that sort of thing. And they just brought in restrictions just before we uh, started. So we had to make sure that everyone was seated and that sort of thing and couldn't, couldn't have an alcohol bar and stuff like that. So, but no, it's still good. Still good to be out there and got a decent crowd. Did I read, though, that the couple of shows that you have done, you've effectively sold all the tickets that you had to sell? Yeah, well, the first one back, because it was just the, the, gym, the shows that we run at our gym, and we can usually get just over 100 people in there. But with the distancing, we were allowed to have, I think, 95 or something. And we sold that out in three hours. So that was yeah, a good, good to know that everyone was super keen to get back on board. And what was the feeling like from the public? I mean, were they just absolutely wrapped to be part of a live event again? Yeah, I mean, that's, that's, everyone's really taken to it at the moment. You know, like everyone's been going to anything they can. You know, and like I know the, uh, the Rest Rampage show had a pretty decent crowd. Um, I know that a few venues that run gigs have been getting decent crowds just because people are just excited to be able to go out. You know, and like you, you take things for granted. Everyone took like just going to the pub for granted. Yeah. And now, yeah, you know, it, it's just everyone's really starting to enjoy getting back out there. Yeah, we, think we definitely don't. We definitely don't take it for granted over here at the minute, that's for sure. Um, we're all on house arrest, other than some of us can go to work and then uh, yep. come home. Well, I've got a few boys from Melbourne in the group chat and I uh, try to keep them company every day. <laughs> <laughs> every now and then I get in shit because I send photos from the pub and that just sends the wrong. Oh, no. Yeah. you gotta, you got to rub it in. you got to rub it in. You guys have been picking on up for years. Yeah. I will get back to it soon enough. <laughs> um, one thing about Adelaide wrestling is that sometimes it gets overlooked when everyone's talking about the hotspots. And um, I was wondering if right now is like a, a massive opportunity for the companies in Adelaide to take centre stage in Australia. Mm. Well, it's one of those things that I've, I mean, I've predominantly been here and I've always seen that we've been as good, if not better than, than most states as it is anyway. Like, I mean, like in the last couple of years, you know, you've got your companies like you know, MCW and PWA bringing in a lot of those international people and that's helped boost their numbers, that sort of thing. And obviously they've got a, a roster full of talented guys, but I think, you know, I'd, I'd, I'd go pound for pound with the Adelaide boys compared to, to any other, anywhere else in the, in the country as being just as good, if not better. You know, I mean, like we're the, we were the, sort of the one, the first one that sort of, kick-started a lot of it you know and I know that may seem biased but I mean I don't know if you guys know the story about how all the Perth boys came over to Adelaide and learnt from us and then took that back and started the school in Perth which started EPW Perth which was for years the, the most dominant product and then you know a lot of the guys from here have gone to, to Melbourne to help you know like Jag had a huge hand in in getting Wrestle Rock off the ground that sort of stuff and that sort of thing so and, you know guys like Slater and you know Brendan Vink and, and you know uh, Bronson Reed and stuff like that, all, all Adelaide guys and have all gone around the country and helped build their scene. So, you know, whereas the crowds may not be as big here as what you guys get in Melbourne, 
I still see that the, the talent from here is, is still still on par, you know, with everyone else. I definitely agree. The, whenever Adelaide guys come to Melbourne, it's always um, they're always in, or if not close to, match of the night. Mm. Well, that's just the way we were raised, the way we were taught. I mean, the, the original guys that came through the old Monster Factory when it was back in PWSA in 2001, that's gone, gone back a bit. We, we were taught by, like, our trainer Cole Devani was one of those guys that was just, he was from that old school of, this is real, defend it with your life. So just simple things of, you know, learning how to do holds and reversals and that sort of stuff. We got that drilled down. It wasn't just like, and it makes me sound like an old man, but, you know, I'm in, in good company here. But uh, you get that, comp- <laughs> that, that modern thing of, yep, that's good enough, move on. Whereas we got, no, 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 you will perfect it and then you can move on. You know, and it wasn't, you know, near enough wasn't good enough. It was, you know, the difference between good and great, the attention to detail. You get it great and then you can learn a new move. So, you know, just all of our basic wrestling and stuff like that was always, we always held ourselves to a very high standard because it wasn't just, you know, oh, you can get away with that. It was like, no, no, don't worry about getting away with it. Let's try to excel here. Is part of the um, thing in Adelaide that the companies have traditionally been quite separate from each other? Do you think that's one of the reasons that um, maybe you you don't get the credit you deserve? Oh, definitely for sure. Yeah, they're, they're, there's always been a bit of a disconnect between the teams and it's the only state that has it. So, you know, there, there's, there's reasons for it and... I'll let you ask the other guys because they're the ones that like to put the, uh, the wall up. But, you know, we've had stuff where we've, we've worked together and stuff in the past, one off here and there, and they've always gone quite well. But I think there's a lot, there's a bit more, I mean, it, it, it's prevalent everywhere in wrestling, but there's maybe a bit more ego here than there should be. And uh, there's always been a, a very, very uh, bad political problem and that sort of thing. So it's just like, if we all work together, we could have made this incredible here. But it's always been, no, no, we're right. No, no, we're right. And there's always everyone fighting off. So and I've been sort of stuck in the middle. There's always been a very close affiliation between Melbourne and Adelaide wrestling as well. I think you go back to the early 2000s, I think on your debut back in 2001. Did you do many shows early days here in Melbourne with the Adelaide over? I did. I did a couple of trips over uh, back when it was PWA Melbourne. Um, I, I'm one of those people that can say I don't know why that proudly, but that I have wrestled at the Dragonfly Chinese restaurant. Um, and yeah, I've done. I was there for the first NCW show. Um, I've done Wrestle Rock. I was pretty much running Wrestle Clash with Rowan. Um, I, I went through a phase there where I was pretty much almost living in Melbourne. I was there every second weekend, if not. If not wrestling, just to come visit the boys. But yeah, nah, there's always been a very, very close affiliation between Adelaide and Melbourne. And when you guys uh, came out of lockdown and finally got back to training and looking forward to putting on shows, what was that like for the everyone's spirits and mental health? Like it's a big, big issue nowadays, having something that you guys are so passionate about taken away. Coming back into it, was that you could tell the relief on the guys and the girls' faces getting back into training and stuff? That first session, we learned two things. A, we really missed it, and B, fuck, we need to work on our cardio. <laughs> <laughs> the first few drills were just brutal. I mean, the first night, I mean, everyone said, oh, you know, this, this time off will be good for you. And my 37-year-old body went, no, no, it's not. Um, and the first couple of bumps, I think the first night I got home from training, I had to have a 
stretch, I had a shower, I had another stretch, <laughs> I had some hydrolyte, and then I had another stretch and went to bed. <laughs> My body was, wasn't used to, it's not callous anymore, you know, and I'm just not, not used to taking all the bumps, that sort of thing. And we have, we've had some pretty light trainings to start with, but yeah, just the, the atmosphere around it, it's almost like a, the first couple weeks, like a pre-season, like when you, I mean, you, you boys are Richmond fans, when you're coming back up, you've won a flag, you know, and everyone's G'd up and ready to go and, you know, so again, it was sort of like a preseason. Everyone was, everyone's been very excited to, to get back in the ring. It's always the second night that's the hardest. Oh, yeah. Oh, well, that's, I only go once a week, mate, these days. <laughs> <laughs> got plenty of time to recover. But, yeah, you're, um, you're a PT for a living, am I right? Yeah, that's correct. Um, so how did you manage your fitness, personal fitness, during the lockdown period when you weren't able to train? Oh, I was still able to train. Like, uh, uh, one of my best mates runs a gym. And so basically since the gym got shut down, he just went to take as much equipment as you need and just loaded up the ute and that sort of thing and just drove around. And we got, like, we were still allowed to go to the parts and stuff like that and train. And one little advantage you have as a trainer, there was like a loophole where if you were, you were allowed to train at the gym you worked at as long as you were filming it for work purposes. So we would just <laughs> set up the laptop in the corner of the room and just do a workout. And then if, if anyone ever came knocking, we'd be like, yeah, the, the laptop's filming us and we're just recording this for a client. So we did have a bit of a, I didn't advertise it a whole lot because it's a bit of a, you know, like stitch up. Like I'm still training people and charging them for PT. Yet I'm like to train in the park. Yet I'm going to the gym every day. So, yeah. But I did, I basically used it to actually have a bit of a break because it's been the first time in 20 years that I haven't had to wrestle. So I sort of, use it as I don't have to be in ring shape so I kind of let myself go a little bit you know was very heavy on the red wine for a while but you know I enjoyed my time off yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> that better be that that later on, mate, <laughs> <laughs> nah, that later that one will probably come from Aldi or something no 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 it's <laughs> a beautiful one from the limestone coast oh very nice mm. uh, fortunate enough to go to my first Adelaide show for a long long time uh i went to the latvian center earlier this year when uh Clipsal was on all right supercars and that's a lovely little center you guys have got going there a, a good crowd you get a couple of hundred there and it's it's not bad at all yeah no, no that's that's uh, a good little room that one it, we used to it's funny we used to wrestle we're in the latvian hall now we used to be in the estonian hall and we've done shows at the john palsy center so i always tell everyone if you've got some sort of vague european uh, ethnic hall i will pretend to fight anybody in there yeah. um but no it, it's, it's a good good room i like anywhere that has a theater sort of with a good stage and wood floors wood floors seem to just make a good it's really good for sound and so yeah that one there we've had a few shows like last year and stuff like our um we have like a rumble like the royal rumble show and we had one of the uh, local footy players from Glenelg in the Rumble. It was like a little spot thing. So he brought half the team and they just won the flag. So heaps of Glenelg people were there. So that night there, we had probably close to 500 in there. And when you've got that many people in there and most people are standing, it's just, it's, it's a really good atmosphere in there. Yeah, the, the, the crowd really gets going in there. And that sound just sort of echoes in there. And it's, you know, even if you've got a crowd of 200, it sounds like 500. So it's great. What I did like about it, though, was the ability that you could actually do a, a proper show filming from up yeah. there. Those balconies that, that has around the top, you could get some good cameras up there and get some really great shots. It'd be a perfect place to do that. Yeah, it's, it's, we, are, we have got a pretty good team as far as our, um, 
uh, our lighting and stuff setups and you know our, our stage setup and the guys with the camera work and stuff we do we do have a really good team doing that so that's one thing I sort of will give give the boys a pat on the back for they've done a great job it's sort of making everything look a little bit more professional so that and that's the, the biggest thing that that's, I think around the country has has been a, a huge change from when I started when we would literally have like a sign with some letters stuck on it <laughs> and a curtain that everyone would come through to now we have these stages and and then like you bring like I have friends come from the gym and that sort of stuff and they're not wrestling fans they haven't even watched it on tv and they come and they go oh that's a that's a really professional show you know and it and it's hard because you want to get those sort of people in you know and because they, they'd see it that at the moment you can't really pick much difference between the quality especially in-ring quality from stuff here, from stuff from America, but for some reason, stuff from America is always seen as being better, which I've never understood. Yeah. Um, you also did, uh, you've been doing some shows at the beach at Glenelg and things like that. Um, how many, what, what is the limit to what you can do at the moment? Well, those ones were pre, pre-lockdown and stuff like that. Yeah. So those, those were like, um, I don't know if you have like you know, street festivals and stuff. I know yeah. you used to have one in Station Street. I've seen old old footage of the boys wrestling there, but um, yeah, it's just the, the beach festivals and that sort of stuff, and so we can just chuck a ring in there. I know we were supposed to wrestle, and you guys probably would have come down for this one, but we were supposed to wrestle at the beer and barbecue festival, but that got postponed. Um, but yeah, so I mean, they, they are always just great for exposure. I mean, like I said, we don't, don't make any money on ticket sales or anything for those sorts of things, but they're they're great to get eyes on the product, you know. And, and like I said, with with the way the guys perform these days and the way they look as well, it just looks looks quality looks so it's good to get that attention because even though as well as everyone's going throughout the country there's still hundreds of thousands of people that are wrestling fans that have no idea we exist so you know it's good to get as many eyes on the product as we can it's true you get a lot of people say oh, i didn't know that we had wrestling in australia um mm. you get that just as often as you get i'm a wrestling fan well that's the thing yeah and that, and that's where the i'd like to see things sort of change with wrestling where we can get some of those casual fans back because i think wrestling's gone to a stage now where it's mostly diehards and if people aren't diehards then the diehards tend to almost push those people away like oh you don't know as much as i do about this wrestling the gatekeepers yeah Yeah, it's just like piss off mate like let's be honest if you if you if your thing is that you are 100 percent passionate about it you're the big super fan of wrestling probably a nerd all right, so <laughs> we're all we're, we're all a bit dorky, you know. And like, let's when you break it down, let's be honest, you know. And like, there's if you enjoy if that's your chosen art form, there's maybe something wrong with you. But they say the same thing about comedians too. If that's their chosen profession, maybe you're not right in the head. But that's okay. But because embrace it, you know. And like, you probably grew up without any friends. Have some now. Like, bring in fresh people. Well, yeah, I mean, also- I know. I was going to say, you guys also have that fantastic opportunity of having the Adelaide Fringe Festival as well for that month. That you could Has that really been taken to its absolute limit by wrestling over in Adelaide? No, we only really took advantage of it the first time this year. So it's all the, um, the logistics issues with, with the uh, Fringe shows has been just the fact that um, it's hard to get the ring in and out of the tents. So... It was, you know, they've always got those big tents, that sort of thing, where they do the trapeze shows and yeah. you know, comedy shows, whatever. But logistically getting that ring, you know, setting it up, you know, it's not like we can have it set up for the day because they've got to put three or four shows on. So the boys actually 
I don't know how they did it, but they literally set that ring up and took it down in about half an hour each side of the show. Like it was an amazing effort, but yeah, that was probably one of our best shows I think we've run for RCW was being in, in that tent. And it felt, I don't know, it felt like wrestling, you know, cause we're in a, you know, wrestling started in carnival tents and it just felt like we'd taken it back to where, where it began. And because it attracted a lot of, you know, different fans, like I said, what, yeah, there was a lot of casual fans there and people that were performers came and had a look and, and artists and stuff like that. And they can come in and appreciate what we're doing. And then they respond, you know, and they love the, the larger than life characters and they love the performance side of it. And so it felt really, really good. So we're hopefully going to be able to tap into it again next year, obviously. Excellent. Yeah, seeing what we can do with as far as uh, restrictions. But yeah, it was, it was a really good, really good day. As someone who's been um, in wrestling from the times when we pretended that it was a real sport, as opposed to now when it's almost more of an art form and, and you are mixing with artists at the Fringe Festival... How do you explain to a young person the differences between those two businesses, the one you started in and the one it yep. is now? Uh, it's just, we don't, you don't pull the wool over anyone's eyes. You know I mean? Like, I mean, we always get taught, you know, like, yeah, you, you defend it. Like it's real, but you're not going to, like, I'm not going to get into a full blown, I was, even back then I wasn't going to get into a full blown argument with somebody saying that if someone said it's fake, you know I mean? Like, and you kind of go, Nah, I mean, at the end of the day, you can't argue. But if as soon as you, I found now the easiest way to do it is to take the bullet out of people's gun. So they come up to you and go, oh, you do wrestling stuff. You do that fake stuff. I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah I do the predetermined stuff you see on TV. And as soon as you take that away from them, they go, oh, but it's really hard. You know, and like, oh, I've seen them. They really hit each other. And stuff. I was like, okay, so as long as you, like, because they just want to be combative. And that's what they want to see how angry you'll get. You know, and they're just trying to stir you up. But as soon as you take, I've found that if you just take that away from them, then they turn it around and go, actually, it's a really good performance or, you know, it's, it's really athletic contest and this and that. So it's just one of those things that as you get older, you just sort of you learn how to, <laughs> how to frame arguments a bit better. And I found that once you do that, you know, that's when people tend to give it a lot more respect. It's like, as long as you're not taking it too seriously, you know what I mean? Like, if you're taking it too seriously, and oh, this is the sport of kings, and <laughs> that's when they'll be like, oi, hang on a sec, champ. Be like, <laughs> not exactly real. Yeah, but if you come up at them and go, nah, it's a performance, we do this, we do that, we do this, they go, yeah, but it's also very athletic, and then they tend to give it more credit. So, Yeah, and um, I feel like the fact that the fans are far more proud of the product now than they were probably 20 years ago. That's, that's the tool we need to be using to draw in the casual fans is the fact that we actually do have a product that we can be proud of. Yes and no. I, I, I will put a foot down there purely because the product is very different than it was 20 years ago. So the product was something that, I mean, quote unquote, would be more proud of it today than they were then. But the thing is, back then, it was a cooler product. You know I mean? Like, people wanted to be involved in it. Whereas now, it's become too much of a niche market. And people, I mean, the people that love the niche market, you know, and we do get good numbers to it, they're all about it. But you need, you need the general public to, to bring in those bigger crowds. You know, and like, I was using an example, like, I'm a huge basketball fan, and I don't know if you guys watched that Last Dance documentary about yeah. Michael Jordan. Trying to explain to kids today the scope of Dennis Rodman missing out on practice in the NBA finals just to go be on Nitro. Like, 
I don't think Dusty Martin would skip a training in the preseason to go to if they had the wrestling at the MCG. You know, I mean, like it's not as cool as it was before. The, the wrestling was such a pop culture phenomenon. Like I, I said this on another podcast. Like you look at Austin was only huge for five years from '98 to 2003 at his last match. Now half that time he was injured. But people will still talk about him today. If you ask a casual fan now, they don't go Hulk Hogan. They probably say Stone Cold Steve Austin or The Rock. You know what I mean? That's the one they go to. You know, I mean? even though John Cena's been the champion three times as long as their career, but he still wouldn't be recognised the same way. And I, if you went to a casual wrestling fan today, they probably couldn't even tell you the name of five wrestlers. So that's where it needs to change. You know, we need to make the product a bit cooler again, so then more people will come and have a look at it. So it's probably something where we need the the very top level levels of wrestling to become more trendy again so that it filters down. Yeah, it just you just need more characters. You just need, like, characters people can relate to. You know what I mean? Like, rather than sort of relating to minority groups. You know what I mean? Like, everyone's trying to please everybody and that sort of stuff, and everyone plays to smaller groups now. And it's like, all right, cool, you've got your little pocket of fans, but and they pay money for this and that, and, you know, and you've got the uh, smart fans over here, you're trying to please them, or you've got these people over here trying to please them. Try to please the you know like the the general punter in the street, you know, and the guy at the pub that just wants to watch two blokes biff in the ring and you know yell out obscenities and stuff like that. You know, we need to you need to bring in general public who wouldn't normally watch it. You know, what I mean that that's the only way to sort of make it mainstream again. And a lot of it comes down to the performers too. Like like I, I know I come from a, a a bygone era of big gassed up juice heads and stuff like that, but you need to have a look that is credible. You know what I mean? Like you see so many, like back in the day, you know, you may have seen a wrestler that you thought was shit, but you wouldn't have said it to his face. You know what I mean? Because you would thought, <laughs> no, even if, even if you thought he was uncoordinated, he was still big and you weren't going to say shit to him. These days, like, let's be honest, you three, like if you looked at half the guys in the ring, you would probably back yourself running up. <laughs> like, let's be honest. Yes, they're great performers, but... You know, it's not that that realism's not there because it used to be the stars were the exception, not the rule. And now they're the rule. And, you know, so every now and then we get someone huge and big, you know, and they're menacing. Like, I mean, I'm seeing in um, MCW that Jake Andrew Arthur. I love watching yep. him because, he's like, is he, like, quote unquote, technically the greatest wrestler? No, but you look at him, you go, yeah, I'm not fucking with that guy. And that's what you need. You need more, more characters like that. You know what I mean? Like, you need some big bodies in there you know it whether they are uncoordinated because the whole workhorse thing has been done to death i don't care everyone's a great workhorse these days but no one cares you know and they want to see a larger than life character they want to be drawn in that's what's going to bring that, that general public crowd back again you need you need your freaks you know what i mean like it's 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 a three ring circus but we're, at the moment we're only really working on like one to two rings we need that third ring which is you know some larger than life people and wrestling always, when it's been at its most popular, it's been because there's been variety throughout the show. Exactly. Like when you look at, like, once again, go back to Nitro, like, they even said, you know, the, I mean, it, they drew it out too long where they had the same stories on top for so long, but they had the big guys in their main angle, you know, the NWO stuff, but then they also had the little guys doing the fast matches, and they had this, and they had that. They had a great variety, so it was a good show. 
You know, and same thing with, with WWF back in the day. They had a bit of variety. You know, you had this person for that, that group, this person for that group. But then overall, you know, you had one big star on top and you, you need that sort of thing. Um, so then now, now if it's everyone just doing the same moves and stuff like that, like I've, I try to watch AEW, but I just, I can get about five minutes into it. And I literally feel like I'm watching the same match over and over again. It's just guys in different costumes doing the same moves to each other, just in a different order. It's, and it's so, and nothing looks like it can break an egg. So it's kind of like, okay, I, I, I'll turn this off now. I don't, I don't, I don't feel like I can relate to any of these people. You know, and it's just, okay, this is a good performance, quote unquote performance. Like you enjoy the, the athleticism, but there's nothing drawing, there's no stories drawing you in. You know, I mean, like, like go back to Austin. Like Austin was not the greatest wrestler. No one could really bang out a five-star match of his other than the ones he had with Brett, yet still one of the biggest stars of all time. You know, and that wrestling's become too much about the in-ring and not so much about the uh, the characters. You think um, with the talking of larger-than-life characters, the main guys that are on top and, you know, AEW and WWE, they're actual wrestling nerds like the wrestling fans nowadays like we know seth rollins is a wrestling tragic he's no different than me other than you know dedicating himself to he's a lot different than you he looks a lot yeah thanks for that that must be the beard um no but so we know they're diehard wrestling fans that have got into wrestling so they're not that larger than life character that could kick your ass you know they're they're doing something that we would love to do at the same time. So I see to an extension, they're just wrestling fans in wrestling tights. No, no, you're exactly, you're exactly right. It's, it's too many people playing wrestler. You know what I mean? Like it's, 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 they're imitating what they've seen and they're now trying to do that. Whereas back in the day, like those early characters, you know, these guys had to create these characters from themselves. It wasn't, you know, you've been given this character, go play it, other than maybe something like Undertaker. But they had to learn how to create their own character. And, and like, a lot of them come from, I mean, you watch those Dark Side of the Ring documentaries. The best characters come from a whole lot of pain. You know, like, a lot of these, you know, like, it, it's... That's like, a lot. Oh, exactly. But I mean, it's, it's late nights. It's, you know, like going on benders and that sort of stuff. A lot of these characters were made from that. I mean, like, like I, I made a joke a while ago when they did that, that interview with, with Stone Cold and, and Undertaker. It's like, I can't wait for 20 years from now when two guys are doing an interview about how they went home and played Nintendo after doing WrestleMania. <laughs> it's just, it's, 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 it's people trying to play characters. And the crowd, the crowd will always spot that. You know, and like they'll support it because they like, you know, they want to buy into it. You know, and like, yeah, do I know that Chris Evans isn't Captain America? No, but I buy into it. You know, and so the, the, the fans will buy into what it is. But like I said, the general public won't buy into it because they're just like, oh, I don't, I don't believe that. You know, and like, I don't believe that guy could just get kicked in the head and then just get up. You know, and like that doesn't seem real. You know, and like the amount of dudes that get full blown knees to the head and then just turn around two seconds later and close on a guy. It's like, well, hang on a tick. You know, if we're taking chairs to the head out of the equation, but we're allowing everyone to strike each other in the head and no-sell it, what are we really doing here? And it, that sort of, that is what will take away from the, from the general public. Yeah? It becomes unbelievable. And they're not characters that have, that have drawn people in. They're characters that they're, they're playing. They're not, they're not really that person. You know, you always hear that cliche of 
oh, my character is me with the volume turned up to 11. But it does need to be something from inside you. You need to be able to feel it. And if you feel it, then the crowd will feel it. But if you're just pretending, the crowd knows you're pretending. They will always tell. The customer's always right and the customer can always tell. I mean, like the yeah. real, the, the people that really want to feel engaged in it, they'll be able to tell. It's a very good Not point me. you bring up, Rocky. And in our fast food made times now where everyone wants everything now, has the art of storytelling been lost in wrestling due to that fact that we try to get a result, we try to get an answer to a match a lot quicker than what we may have in the past? It's, it, the instant gratification thing is correct. It's not so much that they want to get the story. Yeah, they want, it's people, it's the actual performers wanting to get the gratification. That's the issue. Whereas before, they were happy to delay them because they knew down the line, I'll get a bigger reaction. Whereas guys these days tend to, and, and the girls, tend to pander for right now. You know what I mean? Like, if you watch a match, they'll do like a Canadian Destroyer two seconds into a match purely because they know it'll get a pop. You know what I mean? Like, cool, but you've got that pop, but you, you haven't got any sort of investment in the result of your quote-unquote wrestling contest. You know what I mean? So, but it's the ones that will be more patient that will get the best results. I mean, just to go back to the, the, the nerd comparison with the Avengers, you know, and they all, a lot of the same people, they're all comic book fans, and they loved the whole Avengers arc. And that took, what, 10 years? And they enjoyed yeah. it. And they, when you do make them wait, they will wait and they will appreciate it. But the problem is the performers now aren't willing to wait because they go, well, if I wait and it doesn't pay off, then I'm going to look terrible. But you've got to be willing to swing and miss. Otherwise, you, like I said, it's the difference between good and great. Like I said earlier, it's, it's, if you're going to settle for good all the time, then you're just going to get good responses and good pops and good this. But if you want something really great, it, great takes time. And to, to use MCW as a reference, like one of my favorite things I've seen was uh, when, when Gino finally lost the belt. You know, and like that took yeah. forever. You know, and like, and the crowd was like, this is how you knew that that, that angle was over purely because, and Flexi's one of my best mates, but when he came out, the crowd was chanting flex, 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 flex. The second his music stopped, there was like a 30 second gap before Gino's music started. The second Flex's music stopped, the crowd started chanting, fuck you, Gino. That to me is a crowd that has invested their time yeah. and is ready for that resolution. But it takes a performer like Gino who's patient enough and, you know, and he does struggle with his confidence, but he took a big swing there. They took a big swing there, the booking team, and said, look, this is what we want. If we take, it, take our time to tell this story, it'll get an amazing reaction. And they did, and it did. You know? I mean, there's, but there's, there's t tales of where it won't work. But the problem is everyone's so worried about the ones that don't work. They'll, they'll, the performer will go for the instant gratification of, I can get this reaction tonight, and that'll be good. You know? like, you've, got to, you've got to learn to sometimes to further a story, be happy to eat shit tonight because next month you can tell the next part of the story and next month you can tell the next part of the story. But yeah, it's, it's, it's all short-term booking. Yeah, that, um, that storyline from MCW is probably one of my favourite um, story arcs of any form of entertainment for the last few years. Yeah, it was great. It was exactly what wrestling is supposed to be. You know what I mean? Like it's, it, it, they became invested in the result, you know what I mean? Like, 
he's not going to put on a five-star classic match, uh, mate Gino, and I love him to pieces, but he knows that too. But he became a larger-than-life character, and that's what crowd responded to better than, you know, like the crowd reaction to that was better than it was to Flex versus Brooksy, even though Flex versus Brooksy isn't, quote-unquote, infinitely better match. You know what I mean? Like, that's a five-star match. Cool. But does a five-star match get that sort of visceral reaction out of people? No, it doesn't. You know, and they may watch it and go, that was really cool, and I'm glad I was here to watch that, and that's really exciting. But it's the moments that, that a wrestling match can uh, create is what the people are really going to remember. You know what I mean? Like, is Hogan versus Andre the best match ever? No, but do people remember the body slam? Yes. You know what I mean? Like, that's, like those moments sometimes, that's what's lost. People aren't ready, willing to just create one moment that's huge. They want all these little little pats on the back all the way through. And it's just like, nah, mate, just back yourself. Back yourself and, and play the long game. And, yeah, I think if we people go back to playing the long game, then that's how we'll, we'll start to grow, grow, the, grow the sport. Beautiful. Who should we be taking notice of in Adelaide that's probably not got the name yet that you think is going to do big things in Australian wrestling? Well, according to you guys, no one from Adelaide's got a name. <laughs> <laughs> that's yeah, not true. Little old Adelaide. No, we've got, we got plenty of young talent here, like uh, the Parea boys, Gabriel Eros. I love those guys. They're really good. They've, they've got a lot of potential. Um, we've got Tony Toro. We've got a lot of guys in, in, in RCW. Um, Matt Hayter's having a bit of a run at the moment. He's doing really, really well. Um, there's, there's a lot of guys coming through, like, through the school and stuff like that. Not quite ready for matches, but you can just, you know, you can just see potential. You can't see how someone moves and you go, oh, that, you know, keep on him. He's going to be all right. But it's just them at the moment. They're still just learning. It's the learning of the when and where's to put things. You know, I mean, like at the moment, they're just sort of like the dog chasing a ball. You know, they don't know why they're chasing <laughs> it, they're just chasing it. But I mean, yeah, there's, there's a lot of talent in, in Adelaide. You know, I mean, like I said, I'm not, I don't work for Wrestle Rampage, but I watch some of their shows and there's guys over there that, that you know, that impress me and sort of stuff. And there's obviously people coming through their school all the time. And it's just one of those things where there's always the talent here. It's just, we need, we need uh, the younger guys to work a little bit harder to get, to get themselves up that level i mean you, you see this thing now in, in sydney with the generation now we take over or whatever it is that like it's like yeah cool like like guys like david storm and i always say like we want the young guys to come and take our spots you know what i mean like it's not up to us to give it to you you've got to come and take it but even if we gave it to you the spot you've got to win that crowd over so they believe it you know what i mean and that's that's the big issue is everyone like that, that instant gratification of the young guys are like, yeah, I, I, I want to be the main event guy. It's like, yeah, cool. I mean, we can put you in the main event and I can put you over in the main event. Is the crowd going to buy it? And is the crowd going to buy it the next show? That's, uh, that's or are they going to want you back in the main event? Exactly. You know I mean? Like, that, 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 that's the hard thing. You know I mean, we can have, we've got all this great young talent. But yeah, it's, there's, there's a lot of guys to, to keep an eye on. Like I said, the, the Pareo boys, especially, they're, they're great value. But yeah. No, mate. Need a bit of drive out of them, that's all. I'm just trying to fire them up. <laughs> I'm not afraid to ask the hard questions. Oh, this is a listener We're question, isn't for it? Doing that. Oh, it is a listener question. We're going to ask it now because it's relevant. You mentioned Matt Hayter. I got to see him when I was at the Latvian Hall earlier this year. I think he came up against Brooksy that weekend. Yeah. I can't remember. I think it was. When are you going to give him a chance at the title, mate? You keep ducking him by the looks of things from what I'm hearing. 
No, I haven't ducked anybody, mate. <laughs> uh, he's going to be good enough to have a shot at the title. <laughs> There's like a list of contenders, mate, and you've got to actually get yourself into that position. And once again, this is in someone else that's like, oh, why don't you give him a go? It's like, because he doesn't bloody deserve it. You know, and it's like when kids used to come up to me and go, hey, Rocky, why aren't you in the WWE? He's like, because I'm not that good. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes you've got to be realistic, you know? <laughs> Well, Scott Scriven, I hope that answered your question. Someone that is bloody good and in the WWE at the moment, and I've always been a big believer that superstars of sport have a massive background of people that have helped them to get to where they are. And Rhea Ripley is definitely one of those and someone that Adelaide can be very, very proud of. Talk about her as a young up-and-comer back in 2013 and whether you thought she had what it took to get to where she is now. Well, I always, I always have to get a laugh at her because she was the kid that was always in the front row at all the RCW shows. And so it's just been amazing to see her come from that. Like, I always tease her because she was the very first person to follow me on Twitter. And then I only actually... <laughs> I didn't realise I wasn't following her until she became Rhea Ripley and had the Rhea Ripley name on Twitter. And then I followed her. I get this DM on my Facebook going, that fucking time. I'm <laughs> 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 oh, sorry, mate. Um, but yeah, no, like, I, I wasn't really around when she first started training. And I, I'd sort of been overseas and then I came back and then I didn't, wasn't really involved with wrestling for a while. I sort of just toe in the water. I wasn't there for training, that sort of thing. But I remember going to a show distinctly and the boys had told me about it. They're like, yeah, no, she's, she's the goods. And they did this um, uh, Lucha show, which is the same wrestlers, just everyone will mark, um, which you could probably get away with in Melbourne right now. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it was like a, a six-girl six tag match. And I just remember her standing on the apron and she was there. She's on the baby face team, and she got the mask on. But you can see her body language and the way she was moving. I'd like text Rowan straight away. I went, "Boy, she's fucking Hulk Hogan." Like, and he's like, "What do you mean?" I'm like, "No, she, she, she looked. You know, when you can just spot a star, and you just look at. Yeah. Like, no, that's like she. She just had it. You know, and like she just looked and moved and felt to me like when I watched Hogan when I was a kid. You know, and I was just like, "Wow, that you can just you could just see it." You know, and it was just just a matter of time really with someone like that. Beautiful. It's funny because uh, Indy Hartwell was in the front row of shows here before she yeah. started training mm. and then ended up in the WWE as well. I always enjoy those stories because I, I'm the, one of the only wrestlers in Australia that never went to a local show or went to a show before I started training. Like, I just heard about wrestling. I was a mad wrestling fan as a kid. And I heard through someone that I worked with at a video store, their girlfriend's boyfriend was a wrestler, turned out to be Jag. And they... Like they said, oh, I found out the details and how do I go to training? And I started training, but I ne I'd never been to a show. I'd never been a, sort of a fan of the local local business because it wasn't really much of a local product when, when I first started. So, yeah, it's, it's weird, like, hearing all these guys come up and they go, I used to come and watch you. I was like, oh, I feel old now. <laughs> <laughs> well, you said you worked at a video shop. That should be uh, yeah, that's enough. A, that's a dead <laughs> <laughs> I'm washed. Yeah, no. Yeah, you got me there. <laughs> <laughs> where, the, where, of course, we had to wait three or four months for any Correct. new release wrestling show before we could watch it. Exactly. I, I, I think I watched... Uh, we used to have them, and they, they, as soon as the tape came in, I would be the first person to get them. And then, yeah, it was always... You'd be three months behind. But remember back in the day, like, even Raw was two weeks behind. Yeah. On, on, it was two weeks behind of what was happening. You know, it was a simpler time before the internet. 
The good thing, though, is you didn't have the internet to find out what the results were, so you didn't actually know. Exactly. I mean, you could have. I mean, there was... The magazine. There were magazines. But they were also too. You're still getting it. That's right. (laughs) Very, very very late mail going on there. (laughs) But that was, I mean, that's almost another problem with, with wrestling is the fact that we have too much access to the performers. You know, and yeah. you, you, can, you can speak to them and that, you know, I mean, it, they do lose a bit of mystique if you become, become, if they become too much like a normal person, then that does lose a bit of their mystique and a bit of credibility. So that's, yeah, the issue, that's my big issue with Twitter and wrestling Twitter and stuff like that is just these people are just normal people. Now. The good thing about Australia is there's probably only 10% of the fandom that are on Twitter anyway. So at least um, it's, it's not as popular in Australia, so there is well, that little that bit of separation. That ten percent of fandom, they love having a soup. See <laughs> that much? Wrestling Twitter is the worst. Though. No comment. <laughs> <laughs> talk, it sounds talk. like I really hate wrestling, doesn't it? I've just been it for the last half an hour, but yeah, no, I, do, I do love it. It's just I have I I I come from like an old era where you know I, I was. A fan as a kid through the 80s my interest waned in the early 90s like everyone did but then I came back hard you know I was about in high school when when the whole you know nitro and and it was the coolest thing in pop pop culture it was even like my friends that hated wrestling would go oh I don't know why you watch that shit I hate wrestling like last night when such and such did this like well you still watched it (laughs) because trying to explain to people how popular it was they just don't they don't grasp it it's just i hate part of me sort of trashes it because it's just i hate that it's not that popular anymore it's not the thing as it used to be so yeah it, that's what that sort of kills me so then i just turn into grizzled, grizzled old vet and just wow oh, in my day it was heaps better um, well, talk, talking about wrestling that you did love uh 1998 was your favorite year in wrestling what, what was it about 98 that was your favorite that was the first year I came back to it. Like I, I, I was, I sort of, I got boxed at my house, and I saw an ad with like someone had introduced it to me like late '97. I went to a friend's house to watch some basketball, and in the ad break, he flicked over and it was like Nitro, and I'm like, whoa, 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 what's going on here? <laughs> and it was all the guys that I hadn't seen in like five years from WWF, and now, and they're like, oh, Hogan's a bad guy. I'm like, Hogan's a bad guy. <laughs> And then I was flicking through the ads once when I had Foxtel and some ad for like Shotgun Saturday Night came on, but it was Jim the Anvil Nighthart. And I was like a massive Heart Foundation mark as a kid. So I was just like, Jim the Anvil Nighthart's still around. This is the greatest thing in the world. And I chucked on like, I started watching it again. And that's when I sort of fell back in love with it. But it was weird that that generation gap from like 92 was probably when I stopped to 98 and how much the product had changed because I distinctly remember like, you know, like 1990 Royal Rumble where they had like that match between Mr. Perfect and Bruce Beefcake and they hit Bruce in the ribs with a chair and that broke his ribs and he was out for months and I just said, oh, this is ridiculous. And then the first show I came back, like someone swings a chair at someone's head, I'm like, that's going to kill him, surely. (laughs) I'm using my my early 90s wrestling logic in the late 90s, so then I was just intrigued. I'm just like... What happens on this show these days? You know, like I think one of the first shows of Raw I saw was that one where Sh- The Rock hit Shamrock Square in the face with a chair. I was just like, "What the hell is going on here?" Yeah. And I just—that was it. I was hooked. That was like I was—I was straight in. And the characters were like all these new characters and stuff like that. And yeah, and then I, I still had that sort of—it was funny because I could tickle my nostalgia 
feel over in WCW, watching all the guys I grew up with. And then there was this new crop coming through in WWF. It was just, it was an amazing time. It just sort of, you got the best of both worlds. It really was. I think my gap was pretty much the same as yours. I think I might have got back in in 97, but I was flicking through and seeing Hogan in all black and I'm on, on, the, old, on the old movies channel. Like, <laughs> blew my head off. Um, we do have a fair few listener questions to get through. All right, let's go. Um, this one's probably my favourite one. From Nick on Twitter. Uh, your title reign seems to have the momentum of a runaway freight train. <laughs> Why are you so popular? Oh, mate, you just take one look at me. That's, that's the answer to that. Um, it's just one of those things. Like, yeah, just try to, try to make it something that the people can, can hold on to. You know, and like, so creating the one and done rule, like I did with, it was just like an idea that came to me because I just like the, the term one and done because I'm a big basketball fan. They do it say yeah. about college kids. Um, and I thought, oh, well, how can I tie that into wrestling? And it's like, all right, cool. Well, now that's going to make every title match feel important. You know, and rather than I'm going to do a series of matches, you know, where we swap the title back and forth or, you know, because I'm not, I've, I've said, know your limitations, know that you're not that good. I'm not a five-star wrestler wrestler. You know what I mean? Like, I, I knew pretty early on like, that I wasn't going to be that guy, but I can tell a good story. Well, now, if everyone has to have a title shot and if they don't win the belt, they have to wait a year to get another one. Well, now that just raised the stakes. You know what I mean? So it's just one of those things where the crowd kind of buys into it. And then being the dastardly heel that I am, you jerk, I always try to win and I always try to come up with a creative finish that feels like it's screwed over the, whoever's having a shot for the title. But then it's just like the crowd starts to get into it. I'm just like, oh, fuck that guy. You know, like, you know, like he doesn't have to do that. I'm like, yeah, I didn't have to, but I'm a jerk. And now that your favorite wrestler can't have another title shot for a year. So next, you know, and it just creates that sort of urgency with every match that we have. And the so it must, sort of um, must do some favours for your opponent as well in the build-up to the match, doing their promos. The fact that the urgency is there and the story's automatically into each, each and every match. Well, that's the one, the one problem I've had, had with it is that we haven't really had many of the guys doing, doing the promos to lead into it. It's like, okay, well, I've given them this thing to run with and no one's really run with it. So that's the reason why some of the matches haven't gotten it. So it's been more so about saying cocky. It's been more so about me with the belt, more so than anyone challenging to take it, purely because they haven't taken, they haven't seen what you've just seen then and taken the advantage of, oh, this is a good idea. I can run with this and get myself over in the process. If they just think, well, I'm just having a match and I'm not winning the belt in the end, what's the point? But, mm, you're not looking long-term. Especially if you're going to get cheated out of the belt. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> There's a few I've people that don't like uh, your wrestling style. Sorry, Lyle, you go ahead. I'll uh, come back to mine in a sec. Yeah. Oh, geez. No, I think you should finish nice that thought. I think oh, you yeah, finish no, no, that no, now. Don't leave him hanging with that, Tony. <laughs> Bloody hell. Yeah, bring it on. Bring it on, Tony. Uh, I want Tony's question Rob, now. Rob Davies, uh, I mean, we already had that one about you ducking Mac Hader. Rob Davies yep. seems to wonder why you can't win without your little pet Tyler Daniels helping well, you all the time. I didn't ask him to do it. He just offered his <laughs> services. Yeah. This is a guy that I had a, a bit of a, a feud with last year and I beat the crap out of him and he realised that, you know, I'm the better man and, you know, not, not a bad place to be second behind the best. So he's sort of uh, been backing me up. I didn't ask him to do it. He just chose it on his own card. He's a grown man. 
and he and he helps me out when he feels he, he, when he sees fit. A nice so, yeah, bloke. There you go. Top bloke. Yeah, good guy to have around. <laughs> Sorry, Lyle. No, that's all right, mate. I'm glad I you finished that question very, off well. Oh, yeah, no. You've got a very different take. I'm like, yeah, most people think you're shit. Why is that? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I've been trying to make them love me. <laughs> I do intend to come back to Adelaide eventually, so I wasn't going to go that far. Uh, that's all right, mate. I thought that was going to be a question from one of the other wrestlers around the country that just hate when they get booked in with me. They're like, oh, he's not going to want to do anything. He's like, no, not taking any of those. <laughs> you kids can do that with somebody else. Uh, <laughs> I've got one from Facebook from an avid listener um, of the show. Uh, Dave Farley, he wants to know, have you got any advice for current up-and-coming generation in terms of longevity and staying relevant? Uh, the key is planning long-term. Like I was just like I was saying before, it's just don't go for the instant gratification. Like be, be happy to build. Like build something, you know, build your character. You know, understand that you're not... You will be in front of that crowd again. And it's hard to say right now when everything is locked down and people aren't performing, but it will come back. And you know, the, the, the good companies are running regular shows. So don't just try to win them over every show. Just leave breadcrumbs. Make them want to see you more so than you just giving them what they want. If you just give them what they want, they won't appreciate it. But if they feel like they have to try to get it out of you, like one show at a time, then they'll start to build. You know, I mean, like they'll they'll bring that reaction, and rather than you try to bring it out of them, they'll start giving it to you because they figure if they give it to you, you'll give them what they want. But if you just keep throwing what they want at them, they'll just go, "All right, cool. This is you know, I'll sit here until he throws me another Canadian destroyer, and then I'll clap for that." But if you you know you, you you've got to make them earn it. You know, and like and if and if you guys can be patient, if the young guys can be patient enough to make them earn it, they'll, they'll reap the rewards. You know what I mean? Like, and it's, it's a bit of a, it's hard because a lot of these young guys, like I said, they do have established guys in their way they have to get past, whereas we didn't have that. But they also don't understand the, 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 the knowledge that we can give them. You know what I mean? Like they don't seem to take advantage. Like we didn't have veterans. You know what I mean? Like we had our trainer and that was it. You know what I mean? Like, there's guys like Havoc and, and, and Jag and stuff like that that had been wrestling for six months more than I had. You know, and that was like my wealth of knowledge to learn from. You know what I mean? Like there wasn't a lot of old timers hanging around. And the old timers that were around were the kind of that go, Power Slam, that was a finish in my day. What are you kids doing? You're jumping around. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, much like I do with the guys now. But uh, <laughs> it, it, it's like use your, use your advantages. Use the veterans you know use their knowledge you know and and actually listen you know like don't just take the bits that you like the bits that where the veteran tells you that you're good listen to the bit where they're saying that you're shit because sometimes your critics are right um well put yeah definitely uh kevin chiat told me to ask you about uh our old mate brooksy who's over in adelaide at the moment um <laughs> and if there's any chance of a title versus title match? Ooh, I don't think he wants to put his title against me because he knows he can't beat me. Um, and then that was <laughs> me and I have to come back to Melbourne and Melbourne stinks. Um, <laughs> I, I, I love, I love Rookie. He's, he's an example of doing it the right way. You know, and like he will not, you know, he, he has paid his dues. 
You know, I mean, like I remember like when he first started wrestling and he was sort of like, he was Matt's boy, you know, and like he was Matt Silver's mate and he would drive over, they would both drive over from Melbourne to Adelaide and do all the shows at the Australian Hall for RCW. That was like the first few shows. And he was green as grew shit back then, but he kept coming, kept trying, kept, you know, ponying up, kept coming down to shows, you know, would drive himself in, you know, did his thing like one time we went over to Perth and he'd been wrestling for a long time at this stage, but they were just like, you know what? Play the vet card on him, fuck with him. And I did, you know, like every chance I get, like simple thing of just, we were getting some food after the show and we're lining up. And one of the boys looked at me and winked and went, right, hey, Brooksy, back of the line, mate. You let the local boys eat first. <laughs> He's like, oh man. But then he went, he went and he didn't complain. And then, like, as he, he's waited behind everybody to order his food, and just as he's about to order, these four older women came and stood behind him, and the boys looked at me again and went, hit him again. I went, hey, Brooksy, lady first, mate. And he's like, <laughs> oh, man. And then he does his little fucking sad trudge behind the four women, and they ordered their food. But, like, he did it without batting an eyelid. You know what I mean? Like, he paid his dues. And then, and this is the bit that really annoys me, because this is, this is the reward. We're all sitting at the table. There's about 14 of us sitting at the table. First meal that comes out, fucking his. <laughs> Karma. Just, what a did you make him wait? He just looks at it and goes, yeah, shit, hot right here. I'm just like, yeah, fucking shit. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like, he, he did things like that that, it, that that ingrained him with the older guys. And we all wanted to make him look better than he was at the time. And now it's, that's his job now, is to make everyone else look better than they are. And he's doing a great job of it. You know, and like, but that's the kind of thing you have to do. You know, and he, he put his, his heart into it. You know, he, his life revolves around his wrestling. And he's really put his passion into it. And we can see that. And when you can see someone's passion, you're going you know, to respond to it. And that's, where, that's what these guys like said. It's okay to say that you want to do all these things. But to actually come out and do it, two different things. And he's, he's one person that has done it. And to answer the question, no, I don't want to wrestle again. Marcus, <laughs> Marcus, Marcus Cool last week seemed to think that he might have been one of the security guards at the botched quarantine hotel here in Melbourne before he went to Adelaide. It would not surprise me, that little kid. We have a real big brother, little brother. <laughs> Speaking of Melbourne, a lot of fans want to know, will you be uh, making your way back over the border when COVID-19's all done and dusted? Uh, yeah, I, I, is. <laughs> uh, uh, it's been, been a long time. The last show, like, well, that's the problem. The last ever match I did in Melbourne for MCW uh, was an absolute stinker. It was possibly the worst match of my career. And surprisingly, they haven't had me back since. But, um, <laughs> Is, I, I'd love to come back. Like, even just to come back, like, like because I love the character stuff, like, I'd love to do an MCW show. And I, I'm quite happy to eat shit on an MCW show. Like, I would love to come over and just do an old school wrestling match that the crowd would probably go, oh, that guy can't work. But I want to see him get his head kicked in. <laughs> like, I'd, I'd love to, to go, right, I'm not going to get a huge pop tonight, but then you're going to see me next month and then I'm going to do it again. I'm going to see you next month and then you'll appreciate it. And I want to be able to do that, to be able to have the, uh, the backing of, of, the, of, of a promoter as well, to be able to go, right, this is another way that you can do it. Rather than having the guys always just trying to do outperform each other, outperform each other, outperform each other. So I want to come in and show them because if they're going to be too scared to do it, then 
sometimes they won't believe, you know, and I can tell all the stories in the world, but until they actually see it in person, they won't believe it. You know, and like, so I, if, we, if I could have the opportunity to come and do like three shows or four shows and stuff like that, but establish the character slowly and then show by the end of it, see, this is the finished product, it can work. Even washed old man like me can still get a crowd over, you know, over, over extended period of time rather than having to try to come in, fling as much shit at the wall as I can and hopefully everyone cheers for me. You know? Or I'll just come back and do Wrestle Rock and do my old business gimmick because that always got over. <laughs> Wrestle Rock's always a lot of fun. Oh, the best. The best. That was one of the few shows from back in the day that I was like dying to get on because I watched it as a fan because to me that was, <clears throat> that was great wrestling. You know, and like it was characters. It was, you know, different stuff. You know, I mean, like there wasn't many great matches from Wrestle Rock, but there was so much entertainment there that you kind of came back, you didn't care, you know, and you weren't there to see Five Star Classic, you were there to be entertained, and that's what wrestling should be. Yeah. Um, I've really enjoyed this chat. It's been good. No. Oh. Hilarious. Because <laughs> it's three old blokes, four old blokes talking. <laughs> 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 good old day. The glass, the glass yeah. of red, it's all been nice. There we, there we, we go, mate. It's about like you got to have a glass of red. Oh, definitely, mate. I've, I've become, I've actually become that guy that can tell the difference between the reds and I've actually become that nice. wanker, that girl. Or, I, I like having a Montepulciano, purely because I like saying Montepulciano. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that's the one thing that I'm, I'm sort of happy with, with our easing restrictions here in Adelaide is that we can still go down to like McLaren Vale and stuff like that. We can travel more than 5Ks from our house and more than 5Ks from anyone's house in Adelaide is, is usually something very, very good. Actually, um, speaking of Claret, I've been asked to, by one of our Clarence. listeners to ask you about uh, Jag Hartley Jackson and a match that you had at the Golden Grove. Oh yes, okay. This is a good story. I was this is this is the story of when I was a young dumb idiot kid. Um, you know when you, when you're 21 and you think you can do everything. So yep. the first time I was ever going to Blade was against that Golden Grove against Jag in title match, and I thought, and I seen the Hell in a Cell where I heard that Sean, when he was getting catapulted into the cage, like cut himself as he was getting catapulted into the cage. <laughs> and, you know, in my irrational 21-year-old confidence, went, oh, I can do that. Didn't hear the part of the story where he had seven stitches to close it and six of them. <laughs> God. We did a spot where I took the top turnbuckle off and he was in the corner and I'm doing the 10 punch, the old school 10 punch. He grabs me around the waist, takes a step out, drops, so I go head first into it. So I'm thinking, I'll get it on the way down. You know, I'm sneaky. I'm fucking good at this shit. I'm 21 and shit hot. Anyway, I've hit the top rope with my hand, which has jammed the blade into my like, head. It basically hit my skull. And I mean, you guys can see it, but I've got some pretty prominent veins in my forehead. Oh. And I have just dragged it across one of those veins, which has then made blood start spurting out, much like a horror movie. <laughs> <laughs> it was so much blood it was becoming comical like Jag was covered in blood the poor bloke but it was all mine and it was just at one stage I was rubbing it and it was just spitting out everywhere oh. and I was just like I'm, I'm lucky now that I've got old man wrinkles and you can't actually see the scar anymore it used to be very prominent but now you can't tell but yeah it was just stupid kid being stupid kid thinking he's better than he actually is <laughs> And yeah, it just caused an absolute mess. So oh, yeah, was, I'm glad I asked. Everywhere, yeah. It's good time. <laughs> Actually, the, the RCW guys have the tape. 
have the videotape that they've converted to DVD and they watched it a couple of months ago. <laughs> They're just like, oh, A, he's really skinny and B, that's a lot of blood. <laughs> hey, Rocky, it has been a lot of fun. We thank you so much for your time, mate. Really do appreciate it. Enjoy what you guys get the opportunity to do over there in Adelaide that we can't do here in Victoria yet. And uh, hopefully we'll get to see you soon. Well, we definitely appreciate it. Yeah, so check out our YouTube. You can watch all the stuff. Everything's going to go straight up to the YouTube. We had that stream last, uh, well, oh, yeah, Monday night. The stream went up and from the last show. And the next, when the next one is, I'm sure we've got one coming up in the next couple of weeks. But, yeah, everything gets stuck on the uh, Right City Wrestling YouTube. So check that out and you can see all the good stuff. It's amazing that it's all free. Um, so yeah. everyone should definitely be checking that out. Exactly. Yeah, just the thing, like get get eyes on the product so much. So, you know, and like sometimes to make the money, I like, it's one of those things, give away the free stuff. And then it, it's one of those things, I feel that if they see the product, it becomes something that you want to attend. You know, I mean, yeah. like wrestling just never looks quite, I mean, it's great to have the videos and stuff like that, but it's always 10 times better to be there live. And I think, our, our, especially in, in SA, we, we tend to get the crowds. People do want to want to come out and see something and support it. So, yeah. Good on you, Rocky. Thanks for your time, mate. We'll catch you soon. No, right, thank God. Rocky Monero joining us here on the Turnbuckle. Welcome back, part two of the show. Fantastic chat there, boys. Uh, Rocky, what a good... Geez, you can talk. I'm just glad you got his name right. Yeah, yeah. We, were, we were nervous that you weren't there. Well, I was Rocky nervous Romero. too because I actually thought it was Rocky Romero because I thought that's who it was on Facebook. That we were we've, already had, we've already had Rocky Romero. Yeah, I thought we are having him again. So we've had Rocky Romero, Rocky Monero. I want all both this year. So now I want the hat trick. Rocky Maivia. Start the campaign, boys. All right, leave it with yeah. you. Not with me. I don't have those sorts of contacts. That that's going to be after a failed radio personality would have to. Yeah, that's the like kind of thing. Surely got some contacts. You know, well, surely you had him on. He did every. He's a media personality. He wouldn't knock back an interview tone if he's. What's his name? <laughs> Rocky. Uh, he, his real name's Dwayne Johnston. Ah, yeah. okay. Um, <laughs> Tell him we're a football podcast, and he can plug his XFL venture yeah. or something. We'll see. We'll see how we go. Hey, uh, guys, of course, we do have a sponsor on our program for the month of August. Really? The great product that is brought out by Manscaped and the Lawnmower 3.0. The good news is that Manscaped have just launched in Australia and we've gone years without using the right tools for the job. And our people here now listening to the podcast can be one of the first to experience their life-changing products here in Australia. Manscaped has redesigned the electric trimmer. The Manscaped engineering team spent 18 months perfecting the greatest ball hair trimmer ever, and they've created the Lawnmower 3.0. Now, I must say, for a guy of 53 years of age, I'd never really gone about shaving my balls in the past. <laughs> I don't so, want to think about it. You know how when you, lo- when you mow your lawn outside after six months and you have to start on the higher trim? And then you bring yep. it down gradually. You can't just go to the lower cut straight away. That's pretty much what I had to do. <laughs> I had to cut the hairs in like half, first of all, and then go again after that. But the, the lawnmower 3.0 was just amazing. The, the features of the 7,000 RPM motor 
and the quiet stroke technology with the light, the guiding light that is on the end of the trimmer. Amazing. Why are you shaving in the dark, Tony? It's a fair point, actually. It's dark down there. Because it's dark down there. My gut hangs over the top and not much light gets underneath. That is the hardest part. Grabbing your nuts and trying to pull them forward in front of your gut section. So you're doing. This is oh, not a visual I need. I didn't want to talk about Tony's balls. Was it like just grass down there? Sorry? Crab it was grass. like cooch grass, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. It was very much like cooch grass. <laughs> very much. Uh, waterproof technology. It's all there. It is the Manscaped Lawnmower 3.0. And folks, a fantastic opportunity for you to get your first hands on this product here in Australia. An opportunity to trim that junk of yours. We're giving you 20% off and free shipping. All you need to do is use the code MYPODCASTHOUSE at manscaped.com. Your balls will thank you. MYPODCASTHOUSE is the code. Manscaped.com is the place to go. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com. MYPODCASTHOUSE.com is all, my podcast house is all you need. And get that shaving, guys. It's, uh, you'll be well relieved for it. The free, sh- the free shipping alone should be a seller anyway, because if you've ever shipped anything to Australia, you know where you get killed um, on the postage to Australia. So them offering up sh- free shipping, that's a, that's a handy little discount there. Yeah, it certainly is. Hey, guys, uh, sad to see the news coming out of the States that uh, the Ugandan giant Kamala passed away and officially uh, passed away from COVID-19. He tested positive to that uh, as he left us. Yeah, yeah, sad to see see that. Um, obviously, um, he has had his share of health concerns over the years. I know that a few years back he lost both legs to diabetes. I think. Um, yep, diabetes, which obviously puts him at a high in a yeah. high risk of COVID. But um, yeah, a little known fact: he's one of the men who body slammed Andre the Giant. There you go. In his career, not that the WWE will admit it. <laughs> uh, Bret Hart had a fantastic tribute to him on Twitter I think it was or on Facebook one of the two did he? yeah it seen. was lovely yeah I thought you were I... going to say what it was <laughs> uh, I will if I could find it but no I, I read it earlier <laughs> on yeah WWE did a nice little tribute on, at the start of Raw um, it's good you know he had that big run in the early 80s and the mid 80s with Hulk Hogan and you know and then he, I think he come back in the early nineties as well, and turned good um, guy and and stuff like that. So definitely something that Rocky Romero, uh, Rocky Monero, you got me doing it. Now, <laughs> uh, was talking about the larger than life characters, and um, he definitely was one of those. Yeah, yeah, very very sad. No, he certainly was, and. Uh... Sad to see him pass away. Hey, guys, uh, plenty of things happening in the world of wrestling and uh, New Japan Pro Wrestling. have uh, got a new tournament starting up, the Summer Struggle. I think it might have already started, but a new championship belt has been announced and there's going to be four amazing matches, Lyle, which will uh, culminate in a four-way go for the new belt. Is it a belt or a trophy? Oh, I'm not too sure. I thought it was a belt. Yeah, I'm sure. I know it's a... I know, like, it only lasts for a year and then you've got to give it back or something. It seems yeah, quite it's convoluted. A, it's, it's the king of pro wrestling 
you know, mini tournaments, eight people, and then, you know, they'll have their uh, one-on-one matches towards the end of the month, and then they'll go on to the Summer Struggle, which will be the the main show, in a four-way, which is single single men four-way is very different for New Japan. And, and then they'll just defend that title, and whoever has that title by the end of the year will be crowned the 2020 yeah, King of Pro Wrestling. So it's, so it's a scramble. Yeah, it's it's a little bit different. Um, and they're all gimmick matches, yeah, Lyle. Uh, that, right? Yeah, it's going to be fan voting. I'm not 100% sure how that's going to go. Um, yeah, hopefully we can have some uh, gimmicks on a pole match and, and stuff well, like hopefully that. Um, someone's son's custody on a pole, that would be a good one. Yeah, not your pappy. Um, yeah, those kind of things. You could be Judy really Bagwell on a pole. Yeah. Oh, I wouldn't mind seeing a a boiler match. That'll be good. Haven't seen one of those in a while. Um, as long as I don't have to see a strap match. Oh well, you know they uh, they don't tend to come off too good. I I wouldn't have thought. But if uh, if someone was to make it entertaining, it could be New Japan. Yes. Very. True. Yeah. Anyways. I'm all, I'm all for companies trying to do something different, especially in the current climate. Yes, yes. So, yeah, and then, yeah, towards the end of the month, they'll have that, the major show where you got the Naito versus Evil, which should be really good as well for the Inter-Commonwealth and the heavyweight title and Hiromu versus Ishimori, which could be a match of the year, um, small guy flippy match just for Rocky. <laughs> um, so that should be good but he, he'll really enjoy the Shingo versus Suzuki match because I think they're going to absolutely beat the shit out of each other so looking forward to those three nights uh, at the end of the month I think it's the 26th, 27th and 29th the end of the month and your guy Tony he's, uh, he's in a tag title match defending his title uh, Jack Sabbath uh, yeah, Zach Sabbath Jones um, <laughs> He's defending his uh, tag team title and yeah, the saber tooth. Yeah, little known fact, Tony. The in New Japan tag titles haven't been defended once this year successfully. Oh. Every time they've had a match, uh, the defendants have lost. So, little known fact also is that my favourites are vegan. <laughs> no, everyone knows no. that. No. Everyone knows that, mate. Uh, if I can yeah, just get yeah. back. The same number of people know that he's a vegan that that know that his name's Zach. Zach. Yeah. Jones. Yeah, not Jack. What do you call him, Jack? <laughs> uh, if I can step back three or four minutes, I've found those tributes to Kamala. <laughs> I know we've moved on, but uh, just a couple there are. Oh, no, the I just want to just before you read them out. I just want to pay tribute to you and your professionalism. For having these quotes ready to go. Well, <laughs> for no doubt, people, Tony, you'll be able to edit it and slice it in at the right spot. So everything we're saying nah, right now makes leave it like this. sense. <laughs> the Iron Sheik said, God bless the Kamala. We always put on a show for the fans. Good big man who worked the gimmick better than most. It breaks my heart. Uh, the Blue Meanie, Brian Heffron, said, rest in peace, Kamala. Uh, William Regal. Also that was touching. His condolences. Hulk Hogan. Very saddened by the passing of Big Jim Kamala, like everyone else. 
I would always ask if it was okay to take the leg drop uh, for the finish as requested by the office. Jim would always say, let's just keep making that money, brother. He was such a kind soul. Mick Foley joins in as well. Bill Goldberg there. So a lot of the superstars of wrestling, Hall of Famers, all getting behind Kamala. And I think Mick Foley is, is writing an article about okay. Kamala. I'm not sure if it's come out yet, but I've seen him tweet that, that he was in the middle of writing an article. Now, so. speaking of New Japan wrestling, is it true that they have a fan app, fan app, boys, where you can either boo or applaud a move in the ring? Uh, yes, yes, they've got a, the male fan and the female fan. They've got go, O and boo. Mm. Um, yeah, so a little bit different because in, in Japan, they've been um, telling, rec- requesting the fans to not cheer and yell and scream, which, you know, obviously that's going to project a spit hole and stuff like that. So, yeah, the interesting with the fan app. I think they had a little, a few little issues the first time they tried to use it. Um, yeah, a little bit different. You know, Anything's got to good on it for trying. Anything's yeah. got to be better than the AFL, what they're doing with that um, fan cam. Oh. Yeah, yeah. Not as, good as, not as good as the NBA, though, that actually have... NBA, the NBA that is spot on, isn't it? it that, yeah. That's, yeah. I think because it's such a smaller court and you could have it sitting there... Having those digital fans in the crowd is just great. Yeah, and the baseball are doing it for a smaller section. Yeah, yeah, I've yeah, seen yeah. Um, Bernie from Weekend at Bernie's watch the yeah. game on the weekend, <laughs> which is great. You get creative with it. I think in the Bernie basketball... Lomax. Bernie Lomax. Bernie Lomax. Bernie Lomax. full name. Yeah, sorry about that. Rest in peace, Bernie. Um especially with that second movie, that's for sure. Um, <laughs> Killed us all. <laughs> yeah. Uh, if they're going to do a remake, they should definitely do a remake of that. Um, but yeah, look, they're getting creative in the NBA. I've seen someone had a goat up there. So, you know, started the debate of, well, is that LeBron or MJ in the crowd watching? Um, obviously, yeah, wrestling, maybe WWE could do that on... One side, but maybe they could. Do we really nah, want to no see wrestling see fans? <laughs> no, we'll see Brock Lesnar guy, the other dude with his mum. You know those guys. The well, clown. Man, I, yeah, I love having a break from Frank the Clown. <laughs> uh, moving to AEW, gentlemen, and what I've been right and saying: this women's tag team tournament has gone on for like six months. No, you wouldn't week. be. It's just two yeah. second week. Oh, yeah. Okay, it seems like it's gone for ages. <laughs> We've been talking about it for a while. No, no, we first mentioned it last week. <laughs> That's a long time ago in Victoria at the moment. Well, she... <laughs> yeah, it feels like a long time, but um, yeah. it's been good to see some uh, some new women get an opportunity, like new to AEW, like um, Nicole Savoy. And um, I saw Dasha, the, um, the backstage, backstage announcer. Yeah. At a match which I popped for. Um, yeah, how happy uh, was she when um, when she got to pick pick out her coin? That was that was really nice. Yeah, that was it was actually done really well, and um, I think that the opportunity for so many new people to get some ring experience on a on a pretty big stage it's um it's all positive for me. The tournament. Yeah, definitely get get more people there. I think you mentioned it last week. They can. Cherry pick who they want to sign to long-term contracts and stuff like that. I know Rachel Allering had her first match after over a year from her injury. And, you know, she was trained by Lance Storm. And there's always been big raps on her 
So she yeah, teamed looking... with Dasha. Yeah, so I'm looking forward. To it. I like. I enjoyed the chemistry Big Swell and Little Swell had in their yeah. their little skit before the match and uh, in the match doing their different tag team moves together and stuff. So I, I think it's got you know it's got legs to go on for another six months, Tony. Rocky, give it a <laughs> shot for more than five minutes. Just give it a shot. <laughs> uh, AEW ratings. What are they like? Um. They were really good last week, and I think um, I think it's something that needs to be celebrated. They are close to a they were close to a million views in the US, so um, that's massive. Yeah, it's the biggest ratings since the pandemic, and they only just fell short of the you know what they were doing regularly just before the pandemic, which is good. And I think it's on the back of the last three weeks has been really good shows. Um, Furthering on some storylines and yeah, just end to end and you know you know how wrestling is, you know it takes a while for people to change the channel and start watching if the buzz is slowly getting there. So yeah, hopefully people stick around. That's um it's been quite enjoyable. Yeah, well um NXT was up and so was SmackDown. So um it was a an interesting kind of an outlier of a week because the ratings were were up. Yeah, and that and that's with I think AEW went head to head on an NBA game that yeah, I think it might have been the Lakers. So that's LeBron as well. So I know the NBA I'm ratings are down. Playing very well at the moment. No, so. um, yeah, I know the NBA ratings are down, but I think it's just good signs. Um, you know, baseball's back in America, um, and yeah, the, the ratings have started to go up from where they were. You know, a few a couple of weeks ago when they were getting scary numbers to some of the shows. And maybe the WWE preempted some sort of rating drop and the reason that they may have brought in this brand new retribution stable. So are we any closer to knowing actually who's in it? Uh, no, no. There's, I don't know when they're going to sort of do that. They've, they haven't even had the guys who are going to be in the stable playing retribution in the show. So they've just had randos in masks to do it for now uh, the talk is there could be a lot of guys who lost their contracts in the past come back not a lot but there, there could be guys I, I don't know i think it's all speculation at the moment because um wwe are keeping it close to their chest i don't think i don't think even melter's got any idea of who's in the stable and and to be to be fair at this this day and age vince might not have the full lineup locked in yet of himself either. I know Dominic Dijakovic. Dijakovic. He put something on Twitter that quickly got deleted about... Um, yeah, he's heavily rumoured. Yeah, so... Um, Vanessa Bourne's rumoured as well. You know, and obviously you had uh, CM Punk was rumoured, but <laughs> I'm pretty sure that's not going to happen. Um, but... Yeah, it, I like that idea though, Tony. If they bring back some guys that were furloughed or lost their jobs, yeah, um, there's not many for, left though, is there? No, well, a few of the bigger names got picked up. So from other, so you end up just having, so you end up just having hard guys. Yeah, um, the only one, the only one of really any value would probably be Rus- Rusev, and I don't see him doing it. So I think yeah. um, it'll be interesting. I got no idea. Speaking of Dominic's, did you see the kendo stick marks that Seth Rollins <laughs> put on uh, Dominic Mysterio? Oh, yeah, it wasn't he, just Seth; it was yes. him and 
him and Buddy, Buddy Murphy. They really gave him a Jeez. Yeah, well, thing well, to. Well, welcome to wrestling, kid. <laughs> yeah, so talk about paying your dues like Rocky was talking about. That was, oh, uh, yeah. yeah. Well, I heard that afterwards they went to McDonald's and he had to go to the back of the line as well, which is a bit unfair. <laughs> <laughs> And, uh, and as we go to air, we should also commiserate with our friends over in New Zealand as we do have a fairly large New Zealand population. The fact that uh, they've now all of a sudden had four brand new cases of COVID-19 over there. And, uh, they're going, going into restrictions. That's, um, that's surely overkill. What's that? Four cases and you're into a lockdown. Yeah, but, they, but no one's come into the country and no one's gone out. So how do you get four cases? It's going to happen. I, just, I don't. I think it's overkill. Mm. Honestly, well, trying to find us a vaccine, please, mate. It won't be over until we get one. No, yeah, I, yeah. I don't. You're going to have I mean, asymptomatic people. Could be, you know, especially because they they're fully open now. If you're asymptomatic, you could be passing it on to another one, and you know, you could be naive in New Zealand and say, "Oh, starting to get a bit sick. Oh, it's just the flu because we don't have COVID here anymore." Um, things like we that. don't have the flu here, so <laughs> yeah, well, you know, if we're talking eight cases next week, Tony, um, yeah, yeah I think if you if it gets to 10, do something, but four cases total that's yeah. 102 that's days in case, and then fall all of a sudden, anyway. Let's hope that it doesn't get any worse over there, boys. Always great to catch up. We'll do it again next week, hopefully. We'll need to find a guest, but yeah. That I'm can sure be one of them. That can be Lyle's job. That so we might have next week. Right. And I'm going to work on Dwayne Johnson. All right. You've got 12 months. He All has right. plenty to promote at the minute, Tony. So There's nothing else to do, has he? he um, yeah, he's got his tequila, XFL. Well, no his movies daughter. at the minute. He can, you know. Right. So what are we so going to do? He can't knock us back, Tony. He's got stuff to promote. Thank you for joining us here on The Turnbuckle. And thank you to manscaped.com for uh, backing us in the month of August. We'll catch you again next week right here on mypodcasthouse.com.